0: everybody Uh, welcome to better homes and dungeons um i don't have a funny way of introducing this person because their voice is just way too damn beautiful um we are however going to be talking about sex so i think it's only fair to put a content warning uh here at the front i don't think we're going to get salacious um i mean i'm not intending to but we'll we'll see how things go um my friend who are you and um what do you do uh,
1: so my name is Sharang biswas and um i am a game designer writer and artist uh currently based in manhattan I, I don't i've been thinking about like defining oneself based on one's work versus defining oneself based on one's like life interests and uh, for me they are very closely tied to each other so i guess i'm defining myself based on my work and life interests um and, um yeah, that's me. Uh That's what I do, I think. Very cool.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, many would say if you can define yourself by both your work and life interests and there's a level of intersection there, then you're doing very well. <laughs> I
1: guess, though, they also say if, you know, they say if you do what you love, then you, like, lose the love of it and becomes work. So, I don't know. I try and straddle that and not uh, not
0: yeah, it too much. I, but, I, you know. I was going to say, I've heard the expression you know do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life which i think is absolute horse shit um (laughs) because it yeah anyway we're not here to talk about that we're here to talk about um designing games um now um just so josh can have a fun time editing a podcast together uh how did you get into game design
1: uh, yeah, so um, I started doing game-like design from a very young age, so I'm a, I, I focus on, you know, um, analog role-playing games, and it's funny because in the third grade, on the way home from the bus, I would make up storytelling sort of games uh, with my friends. They were more, I mean, by gay, was they loose, like, there were no, like, game mechanics, I just asked them, what'd you do next? Okay, this happens, what'd you do next? This happens. So that, I've been doing that for a long time, and then, I, you know, I was into video games as a child, uh, well specifically computer games as a child, Um, then in undergrad, I started getting into the board game scene more. And I'm like, oh, wow, there are a lot of interesting different kinds of board games. I took a class uh, on game design with Mary Flanagan and, you know, famous game designer. And I'm like, wait a minute, uh, people do this professionally and artistically. They don't just grow on trees um and i did i i did like internships and, and i worked with her on projects and things while you know finishing my engineering degrees before finally deciding engineering wasn't for me so i went to art school i went to uh Tisch School of the Arts at NYU i went to the interactive Talk communications program and did a lot more interactive work did some more game design work um and uh decided oh um you know i want to be a freelance artist and game designer um, initially I was like, maybe I should try and look for, you know, game design jobs in AAA video game companies before realizing that the the life of a game designer in a AAA company is horrible <laughs> and that the industry does not treat its employees very well. Uh, and so I said, nope, not doing that. And I also have recently been reading and learning and stuff all about like how, you know, uh, the nine to five life is not for everyone and doesn't have to be for everyone and um honestly i feel that it's not a good way for humans to exist so i've been resisting and rejecting attempts to like uh have this like you know oh i must have a full-time job in this thing and i must become specialized in this thing so um yeah i do game design i do game writing i do interactive art i teach um, i do a lot of random things related to interactivity and play
0: if if you'll forgive me, if if life had a victory point system, it kind of sounds like you're winning right now. I mean, I, f- I feel people people ask me that and they say things like, uh, oh,
1: are you happy now, right? And I'm like, well, happiness." the word happiness is, encompasses a lot of different things, right? So when I was in corporate America, when I was in consulting, um, I was happy because I never had to worry about my rent, right? I knew I was going to make rent. I knew that I could eat out. Fairly frequently without worrying about bills. I knew I could, like, you know, hang out with my husband outside spending money and didn't have to worry about that. Now I have to be a lot more careful. Like, oh, if I go out for dinner, well, I can't go out for dinner now, but if I order dinner in, will I be able to make rent this month, right? So that's a different kind of happiness. So I'm artistically and intellectually fulfilled right now, uh, but I'm constantly worrying about, you know, income. So different kinds yeah, of happiness. I, I don't
0: know. I, I think happiness is, um, I, I kind of subscribe to the, uh, the Andrew W.K. Uh, theory of life, um, which is that we kind of need to get past this, Id- this idyllic idealization of life. Because that's not mm-hmm. what life is, and it's not actually what we really want. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah, true. Guess we'll get. But I, but I, I would say I am
1: doing well, well. Yes, I certainly try and recognize the privilege I have compared to many other people um, who, uh, especially during the pandemic, you know, have lost their, all their sources yes. of income. I have a lot of. I am in Manhattan. Right. I have a lot of friends who are waiters and actors, and they have lost both their jobs. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm so uh, sorry uh, so I have to yeah I have to recognize that I have privilege and that I have still have source of income coming in and I can still work and things like
0: that mm. um, now now the reason uh, Sharang, I, I wanted to speak to you um, I, I am going to <clears throat> tell a small story and this happened very very recently um, so I am a I, I do a little bit of dungeon mastering for hire on the side. At the moment, I've only got one professional table. You know, please, people, if you want to hire me, go to Start Playing Games. Look me up; I'm right there. Um, but but I got contacted over the site uh, from someone who said, "Hey, um, I'd be wondering if you'd be interested in running a solo session, solo sessions with me, featuring um, ERP, and I will level with you." At first, I wanted. Hmm, I wonder what ERP is. And then that wonderful lizard part of my brain said, Josh, you know exactly what ERP is. You you are 16 months. You can figure it out. <laughs> um, and, and you know, I, I thought, look, that's that's not something I want to do. But I also thought, yeah, I want, I want to have a conversation with this person. I want, I want to, you know, find out about... It's funny. One of my passions is to find out about people. You'd never know, would you? That's why you do a thing where you talk to a different person every week, Josh. Twit. Um, anyways... We had a bit of a back and forth because I said, look, let, let's let's get on Discord. Let's have a conversation. Um, now, what this person told me is he and I realize I'm assuming it's a guy because it read like a guy. Um, what he wanted was essentially like for me to run a game for him where he would have a harem of, of young ladies um, to have physical gratification with. And there are a couple of reasons I said no to this. Uh, One was I would not feel comfortable doing it. Um, The second would be I don't think I'm the right person to do that. Um, And the third was actually, I think, kind of the most important. And this is not to shame anyone at any point in time, anything I'm saying. Part of me thought, my friend, you remind me way too much of me way too long ago. Uh, which makes me feel extremely old, um, but it seemed to me what this person wanted was more or needed, perhaps was, was more an idea of that sense of intimacy rather than you know a sexy times game. Now that's not to say sexy times games are bad. Um, I I definitely want to have a chat to you about that. Uh, sorry about how they can be good and how to make them good. Um, but it seemed to me that what this young person may have been lacking in their life was a sense of intimacy but also like i guess how to achieve and express that need and desire um is there a way you think i mean do do you think tabletop role play games have a level of intimacy with the way we come around a table
1: I think, I mean, yes, right? So, so I mean, art forever has been a way to engage with feelings and to engage with emotional needs and things like that. All kinds of art, yeah. right? But tabletop role-playing games, uh, or or analog role-playing games in general, because LARP and tabletop role-playing games often intersect in ways that are difficult to delineate and separate completely, Um Uh, Analog role-playing games have uh, a level of of, another person is involved, right? Um, Unless you're talking about solo role-playing game, but even then, one could argue there is this person you're sort of of engaging with at a distance over time. Um, But yes, the, the 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 like there's you're interacting with someone or some other people in a in a way where you are fulfilling or reliving or not reliving or living uh, fantasies in in an environment where you are trusting each other you're trusting to uphold each other's emotional needs you're trusting to not you know make fun of each other for the like fantasies you want. Um, and I mean there's a reason that they say that oh, at home games, you're, you can be a lot more free than when you're you know uh, streaming a game and stuff for example because there is this like intimacy that's built with the group that you're playing with uh, and I feel yeah and, and like the the you know the the plethora of articles that are coming out recently about uh, why are board games becoming popular why is DD becoming popular that kind of thing uh, all talk about this millennial need for connection and and quote the real experience end quote right um, so I do believe analog gaming including board games have um this degree of uh, a form rather than have this degree of connection between other humans that other art forms don't do as well or do in very different ways
0: yeah that 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 seems to track i think also um we're kind of in a a point of society and okay i also say this is someone who met his wife online um and you know we were pen pals for three and a half years before there was anything romantic between us um i think we do want that connection but in some ways it's kind of easier to retreat away now and i think we're slowly realizing that's not necessarily healthy for us like humans as a species we're we're social beating beings rather like, that, that that, intimacy and connection is actually, like, it's a massive need that we have.
1: And I think COVID, of course, is making yeah. us realize that <laughs> even more, right? Like, we have all these methods of digitally communicating with each other if you live in certain parts of the world. Um, and, I, you know, I'm on the phone a lot now these days because, I mean, I'm always on the phone a lot. But now, especially, I'm like, I want to talk to my friends and things. Or I'm on Zoom, though I try and do phone more than Zoom because Zoom fatigue is a thing. Um but uh, there is something about, like, physically meeting people and having proximity and, and things like that. Not to mention, of course, um, de- the desire for, like, more intimate connection with people, right? Um, so, yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I I, I can remember when, um, and this is speaking with Australian privilege um, right now, uh, like, when, when we came out of lockdown and I could see my mum and dad again, or just like going outside and going to shops and seeing people. It was, it was a very weird experience because you kind of get used to a thing after a month or two and then, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. I, I, okay, cool. We, we agree that intimacy is really important. <laughs> um, funny that. Um, now, one thing I do want to ask you about is like, I, I think we are all fairly aware of um Things like X cards, things like traffic light system, things like um lines and veils, other uh, safety tools that we can bring to our tables to, I, I guess, preserve the, the safety of the table and everyone's emotional and mental well-being. These seem to me to be quite reactive tools, though. Like lines and veils is a bit proactive because you say ahead of time, this is okay, this is not okay, here's what we can play with. Are there um other what we would what you would say are um like proactive intimacy developing tools for a table to use?
1: I mean, one thing I do think about safety tools, and I also um I've been thinking about this. I don't really like the word safety tools because it tends to denote that something dangerous is going to happen. Um, I think I try. I like to think of them more as calibration tools. Mm. Um, because it's not always about danger. Like like I would love I would use an X card if we're playing I don't know if we're playing a epic fantasy game and someone's like, okay, and then I pull out my phaser pistol, right? Uh which would kind of break the, the way I'm envisioning the fiction, like it's very appropriate to use an X card there, right? Uh it's not always about like I'm feeling unsafe. And I feel a lot of the reaction that comes from different parts of the game world. Come from th- this this idea that I like people are like I'm not dangerous. Why do people need to use safety tools against me, right? Um, and and uh, that's related to this idea that it uh, in my experience it hasn't always been this reactionary way, right? If I say at the start of the game we are using John Stavropoulos' X card and this means this and this is how you use it, I feel that that itself is proactive and that people then realize that okay this is a table where we have we can build some level of trust because the gm and other players are going to be okay with certain things and and i can also push a little more because if people are not okay with something they will tell me right the fact that someone has brought up these tools these calibration tools means that uh, i can trust them to use them right because there is it is a two-way thing right you you the fact that I have in said that there's an X card means that I hope that you will trust me enough to use them and not just... Back. Now, of course, there is some level of I still have to be careful and not just do anything that might feel, be terrible. Uh, but if I'm telling you, please use the X card, I cannot read your mind. I would like you to actually use the X card. This is important when I run games like Bluebeard's Bride, for example, right, which is a game about horror, um, focusing on violence against women. Right. I ran it last night for some undergraduates and some, and some grad students. Um, and I I. Talk about the X card at the start, and I expect them to use it because the game goes into areas of sexual violence, for example. Right. So, in that sense, some of these calibration tools themselves act as proactive tools uh, because their presence signals something. Right. Um, but then, uh, otherwise, um, the, the 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 like the just talking about what a game is going to include is a very powerful tool in of itself. So I always tell people when I run a game, especially when I'm running with strangers at a convention or when I'm doing pro-GMing, which I've been doing a lot of lately, I always say I... I will not be able to DM effectively if your team is going to have a lot of intra party conflict, right? Uh, I'm assuming that you guys reasonably like each other and are not out (laughs) to get each other. Even if we're playing a game of urban shadows where there may be some like enmities and some like rivalries, I I will not be able to GM well if the game becomes very competitive and you are out to like get each other completely, right? And saying that is a, is a is a way for people to understand. Okay, this is what I'm getting into. Uh, and saying uh, things like I don't I don't always couch it in terms of lines and veils because sometimes you know if it's new play I don't want to throw more jargon at them, but just telling them this is a game where we expect this and and we are not going to have content that is about this um because i don't like that so for example uh when i run um urban fantasy games i tell people i'm not going to engage with and i don't want people to engage with ideas of omnipotent god dealing with fate and stuff right so for example i say that a lot um and i don't say that's a line or a veil necessarily i just say we're not dealing with that because that makes for boring play um so i think just communicating at the start what people want is important uh other things are like just telling the dm hey i'm i'm really excited to have uh romance in this game i want my dude to like find some like hot blacksmith to like date or something right just just voicing what you want to see and what you would rather not see is uh is just a really is a powerful tool um to like get what you want because you know you do these experiences in order to hit some emotional or some like ludic desire or, or and the, uh, uh just being up front with so, that sorry or in
0: the case of this blacksmith to go at it hammer and tongs
1: well, exactly right, <laughs> right yeah <laughs> sorry. um but yeah just, just being being clear uh uh, the start is good and if you need specific uh, frameworks like when Montecook games made that handout right uh, which is um, okay write down and, and here's a clear format about what you want and don't want that works for some people and if it doesn't work for you don't use that it's it's totally fine um so yeah um, yeah I think I think these the the traditionally thought of as safety tools um, are proactive in some way and the simplest proactive method just like be upfront about what you are interested in in your game
0: okay that that is a that is a very cool perspective thank you um now to to kind of move more into the nitty-gritty side of things um when you bring sex into a game um do you discuss you know ahead of time like okay here's how salacious we're getting with details do you have mechanics um, with games that you run or design that, I guess I'm asking, like, how do you do this? Because I've, like, okay, we, we had sex in one game that we played on our podcast once, and we we just alluded to it, we kind of faded to black, and the joke was at the time that we own, that I did it to make the person running the game at the time uncomfortable, don't worry, we we, we were friends, we knew we were piss-fighting about Um, but it's, it's never been something that we've really, I think said, Hey, this should be a regular part of our gameplay. Um, so, so I think I'm just like throwing a whole bunch of things at you and then just saying how, because I, I, I'm, I'm so much of a twit. I, I can't even really think of the right questions and I'm really hoping you forgive me. (laughs) So, so it's interesting because,
1: um, it's interesting that you asked the question, should this be a regular part of the game? Uh, And because we rarely ask that about stabbing someone, right? When we're playing games like Dungeons & Dragons, we don't ask, should stabbing someone be a regular part of our game, right? We just assume it will be a regular part of our game, right? We're playing a fantasy role-playing game, we have a sword, stabby, stabby will happen, right? Uh, We don't even have to ask, oh, can we only make sure we're stabbing monsters and not humans, right? We don't ask that. Um, But... We have to ask, oh, should we have romance and sex in our game? Which is telling about our culture in some way, right? Not entirely sure what it tells, but it is telling about something. I
0: I would even potentially ask, I mean, part of me would argue that I think it says a lot about the way Dungeons & Dragons was designed and where it kind of came from. Like it came apparently from a game called Chainmail or something, which was really just Mm -hmm, a combat mm -hmm. simulator.
1: Yeah. right and so that's another thing so so game systems um afford certain kinds of play and certain kinds of stories right so it might actually feel unnatural for for people to 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 do uh certain things in the game that it's not designed to do like if i'm playing a nordic larp uh, and then suddenly I'm like okay now let's do really choreographed careful combat where we're going to track who hits who then people will be like uh they'll be thrown out of a loop when I do that right mm. so yes game systems themselves afford certain uh certain kinds of play now that doesn't mean you cannot bring in other things but it uh, because you know you can absolutely if you really want to you can have um you can have Fighting in the Nordic LARP uh, and, and and choreograph it well, um, or you can be like, okay, we're gonna have um, we're gonna have uh, a lot of this sex in this game of Shadowrun or in this game of D anD D or in this game of um, you know another crunchy system, Thirteenth Age or something, right? Yeah. Um, now um, the the reason I I I don't so when you say we we kind of alluded to it, we kind of were shadowy. That would be my impulse when i'm running games with strangers right because there is in our culture um around the world there is this idea of you don't just talk about sex explicitly and openly with strangers right um i try and resist that sometimes because i do feel that our um our uh, habit of keeping mum about about sex prevents us from having meaningful and important conversations, uh, which would value everyone, including, you know, uh, I think having meaningful and open conversation about sex would help destigmatize talking about sexual assault and would also reduce sexual assault. Um, But there is this general idea that we mustn't talk about this, and so I err on the side of caution a bit more when running games, because this can be uh, sensitive for people, especially in games which are a sort of embodied experience, or at least where, what, an experience where you are putting yourself uh, in the in the center, and you are imagining, in some level, even if your self is a fantasy self, it is in some level a self that that is doing all this, yeah. right? And sexuality intersecting with the self can be uh, tricky.
0: Yeah, and so I, I think also part of me, like, this I think we've also got like that part of our shame, where part of us is like, I really don't want my friends slash you know, family members that I may play Dungeons and Dragons with knowing how I get down.
1: Right, which again is a sort of a... I mean, at some level it's understandable, but at some level it's it's cultural and, and a little bit sad that we can't be a little more open, right? Like literally yesterday... I was talking to my sister who is older than me about menstruation, right? And she was like, I hope this isn't TMI. And I'm like, I don't think it's TMI. Like, why would it be TMI, right? Mm. And it's because this idea that oh, you mustn't talk to your brother about menstruation. I'm like, well, Why is that a thing, right? That that's that why I mean, we're we're very close. We've known each other for 30 years. Um are you we've seen the worst and best of each other. Like, we are you've seen me naked when I was a kid, you know? Like, what is this, right? Um so there is this like this shame, which I think which I think is a shame that there is this shame. Ha <laughs> ha. Um but uh, yeah, but but knowing all that uh doesn't mean that I have the just because I want to resist against it, doesn't mean I have the right to completely throw all the norms out the window because that would just make people uncomfortable and wouldn't help anything, right? Yeah. There are certain levels of discomfort that are productive and fruitful and that allow people to grow, and there are certain levels of discomfort that would just make people shut down, yeah. right? So when I'm running games, I like to inject, for strangers even, I like to inject some degree of like, oh, someone's flirting with your character and it might not be the gender that you are used to flirting with you, for example, or like like someone talks about sex and things like that, but I don't want to go full on completely. So I, I understand your impulse for like veiling it and things like that. That is what my norm is. Even people I'm friends with, if I don't know them very well, but um in order, if you want to do games where, uh, if you want to, in be a lot more explicit, I would recommend using games that have those built into the framework itself, like you said. Just like it is, um, like you know, not all of us have the ability to fluently and quickly spout stream of conscious descriptions that are well done, right? It is not easy. To just describe a complicated and interesting battle scene, which is why we use frameworks of combat simulation in the first place right we, we want to play battles but we it's not easy to just be like and then you swing your sword and this happens and you miss and blah blah, blah right that's why we use dice and, and game mechanics to do that so similarly uh if you want to engage in play about sex and sexuality it might help to use games that have mechanics that have frameworks that help you tell those stories right mm. Um, I'm going to give two examples. I mean, an example that I'm involved with, an example I'm not involved with, right? So, an example I'm not involved with is a game called My Girl Sparrow by T.K. Peterson. I talk about this a lot at various lectures I've given. Um, it's a game um, that is frank, very frank about sex. It's a game where you know, it's it's in the Nordic tradition. There are all these pre-made characters. It's in a world. It's in a near future world where people don't have physical sex anymore. Uh, it's all done through VR. And you, it's a four-player game, and the four or five, I think, uh, and the, you as the four or five players are, are um, perverts slash deviants because you enjoy having physical sex. Now, at the start of the game, you've kind of like rented a cabin and you're going to spend the weekend there and like hook up, right? And this game is all about um, how sex makes you feel different and changes you and affect the relationships and the way the game works is it's full of these sex scenes and when you have a sex scene, you hold the person 's hand and you stare into them their eyes you don 't have to stare into their eyes, but we stare into those' mm. eyes and you there, there's a very specific way like there's a call and respond like one person says a physical action they do, and the other person responds and then the, you swap and you swap but you do it a certain number of times and also. The game does not allow you to describe interior thoughts, ever, right? So you can never say, I get excited, for example. You can say, my breathing becomes more rapid, or my eyes widen, or I moan, or something, right? You cannot say, I like this, for example, okay? And so this mechanic... Forces you to structure your sex in a certain way, it forces you to think about it a certain way, and it makes for really interesting sex scenes. And part of part of Peterson's goal is to talk about this idea that we have a lot of words to describe emotions, right? We have an entire industry, the music industry is all about love, mm. right, for the most part. Um, but we don't have as many words or we don't we have much more many more taboos about describing physical acts of sex. So so this is a game that has a very specific structure and allows you to talk about sex and describe it in a specific way uh so that is uh that is one I, I, I can see um the,
0: and if, if you'll forgive me for interrupting i, I can see mm-hmm. that the the game sounds very cool and, and part of me is like i yeah i i don't know how comfortable i would feel playing that game mm-hmm. but i yeah i mean and and look i i you know i am a per, I, I am a person of faith um and, and for me like all that energy is you know something i would say from. so this could be a game like potentially actually this would be a, a, a fun game for couples to play because there could be some really wonderful conversations around you know the understanding of each other and and, and that and yeah that wonderful I believe so, so actually i'm i'm, I'm gonna yeah. recant what i said at the start like yeah i mean look potential I mean, I think that's interesting because
1: there are many people who would not like to play these kinds of games with their intimate partners, right? But you're already um, because... intimate with them. Like, but the the thing is that a lot of these games explore um, dynamics that arise out of sex that may not be healthy or positive necessarily. That, that's right? fair. So uh, the characters in My Girl Sparrow are not are flawed characters, right? Uh, and they the when they have sex that just like in real life that intersects with their flaws in various ways and often you don't want that to color your um your actual relationship so when i when i design sex games my my husband my um partner does not like playtesting them with me. <laughs> he, play, he might think other kinds of games with me but he would not play test, though no, he's like nope i don't want to color our our relationship with that it's too complex yeah. right and it's not because he is uncomfortable talking about sex with me i would argue that My partner and I are more comfortable talking about sex than many other couples because many couples do not talk about sex. They just do it and then do it badly and then are wondering why they do it badly. Um, But, uh, yeah, so it's not because people are necessarily squeamish about sex. It's because the emotions that surround sex can be fraught, which is another reason why I don't just barge into a game and be like, okay, and then you, like, give him a blowjob and let me describe it for you, right? (laughs) Um, Because... People have various um, emotional resonances with things that I may not know about or even have a concept of. Right, like if I start talking about about blowjobs to someone who is a trans man, they might have very specific emotions tied to blowjobs, right? Um, that I have no experience of because I'm not a trans man. Hmm. Um, and so, uh, and so, so it's important. That's why I feel some of these more structured games allow you to talk about and explore sex in ways that could be interesting so another example i'm going to give that i was involved with um so uh pasta sugar please is a game by Cleo yansu davis it's in the anthology honey and hot wax anthology of erotic art games uh for which i was the co-editor right Mm. um and this is a game that is the opposite end of the spectrum from um from uh, uh, uh peterson's game where it is It's an explicit game because it's a game where uh, you as the players, it's like usually four to six players, um, are members of a secret BDSM and sex club. And the story is that last night you were all at this sex party except that you were all masked. So you were all hooking up, but you don't know exactly who you're hooking up with. And today you are at a tea party that a friend is hosting as a birthday party. And you think you recognize the one person you really hooked up with, but you're not entirely sure, but you don't know that the others here were also at the party, and so you don't want to scandalize the others. So you want to confirm that you are with this person, but you only do so by describing the tea and the food in front of you, right? Yes. And you want, you want to like tell them, oh, I think it's you and I really enjoyed this thing you did. So you might talk about, oh, this cucumber is really crunchy. I love the snap of it. I love how it breaks against my teeth and like the texture of it against my, you know. Um, and so that's a game that, again, structures conversations around sex, but in a very different that... way. And at the end of the game, when I run it a few times, people tell me it's 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 very frustrating in a way. They're like, why can't we just, talk about it rather than, like, going around and around and, like, oh, yes, please pass the clotted cream, more of it, more of it, just give me more clotted cream, right? Rather than actually say what you want. And it, that's really, I think, eye-opening game about, like, we should have more open conversations about sex. I would probably so.
0: have way too much fun with that game because I am... There's no such thing. Okay, okay, I, okay, I, I take back the too much fun. I, I, I am, like many Australians, an inveterate shit-talker. Um, and, and I do love puns and wordplay. Like I, I can't show you my bookshelf cause it doesn't have all my Terry Pratchett's in it, but I, you know,
1: I, I'm looking at every Terry Pratchett I own right now, which is nearly all of them. And I'm pleased.
0: It's, it's a beautiful world. May his name never stop being said. Um,
1: <laughs> he may forget us. We will not forget him.
0: Yes. Um, I mean, he's, he's deceased. But yeah. No, well, look, man, his physical body may have finished, but we still say his name. So he's still alive in one sense. <laughs> Anyways, away from that theological argument. Um, th- this sounds to me like I like that. That almost like. I would have so much fun alluding to things that I suspect I would just annoy the hell out of everyone else at the table. I mean,
1: that is the point of the game, Oh, right? God, so, I'm, so oh God, I found my game. In That's in the terrible. intro, lead into awkwardness, right? Lead into awkwardness. Oh, and the point hell. of the game, remember, is is not just for you to be awkward, it is for your partner to try and figure out what you're trying to tell the them. The problem right? is, the camera's so, and, off and, now, you
0: can't see how much I'm grinning because I want
1: to play a It's a really, really good game. And of course... Cleo, uh, the game gives you very specific prompts that you're trying to convey. So it's not just like you were cool. That the, the, the prompt might be, "I really enjoyed being wrapped up in cling film, and I want you to do it for longer next time." Is something you might be trying to convey, and all in front of you, all you have in front of you are various kinds of French pastries, right? Mm. Um, or you might be like, next time I want you to organize a bukake party for me, you know? Um, or or even like, next time can you look into my eyes longer? I really liked having an intimate connection by looking into your eyes, right? And you have to communicate that through food. And it's very funny, it's very fun. Sometimes it can be like frustrating, but in a good way, and everyone because Everyone on the table is trying to do the same thing. You, you're role-playing people who are somewhat oblivious, but as players, you are absolutely not. So you are leaning into what other people say, and you're being awkward for them. You know that they're being awkward, but your character doesn't, so you're going to ask them questions that may lead to more awkwardness. Um uh, like, like one player's like, oh, yeah, just give me more clotted cream. And I'm like, oh, should I call the waiter? The waiter can can supply you with more cream. And then she was like, oh, yes, bring more waiters. You know, call all the waiters and have all of them serve me cream, you know. Uh, that was the book yeah, one. Yes, I picked up, um, um, Yeah. Right, um, but uh, I think it's a really brilliant game, and I think I think that's cool because again, it opens up conversations about sex, especially at the end of the game when you're doing your debrief. You people all I've run this game many times as an I even ran it as an interactive theater experience online uh, when COVID first started with a company called Intromersive Theater, um, where at the end we'd have a debrief and we talk about. Like, what does this mean? People are like, yeah, it's a game about sex and communication and maybe we should be more open rather than hinting and beating around the bush a lot. Um, and that is contrast with other games in the anthology, because some of the games in the anthology specifically and literally ask you to perform sex acts with the people you are playing with, right? Okay. Um, so uh, the game might say, oh, uh, we, we would like you to perform oral sex on the person you are playing with. For example, and of course, the games are very clear about these are games. So if you don't want to do anything, don't do them. But this is the artistic vision of the mm. game, uh, and so uh, it. I, I like that we can have this wide spectrum um, of, of discussions about sexuality in games, just like you can have it in any kind of art yeah. form, right? So um,
0: now, now speaking of anthologies, uh, I believe you have something on Kickstarter at the moment.
1: Yeah, um, so uh, the first anthology that I spoke about was called Honey and Hot Wax, published by Pellegrine, and we're making a spiritual successor to that anthology right now. Mm -hmm. So, Cleo Yansu Davis, who I was just talking about, she was one of the writers in the first anthology, and she is my co editor of the second anthology. um, And it's called, I'm going to cough right now. Excuse me. And it's called um, Strange Lusts, Strange Loves, an anthology of erotic interactive fiction. Mm -hmm. And so this is uh, a, a collection of interactive fictions, with, like choose you an adventure style like Twine games, you know, where it's mm. a, it's a digital game, it's text based, where you like make choices and things. And uh, but it's the same idea, right? We want to explore different facets of intimacy and sexuality through the lens through the lens of a diverse group of writers and game designers um and by diverse we we really mean diverse like we have we have games that talk about like romance and and like you college kids finding love we have a game about um harnessing orgasms on the internet so you can summon a demon girlfriend we have a game about an asexual courtesan who's into snm and what does it mean to be asexual but also be into snm right um and But it's the same thing. It's a way of engaging in an interactive format mm. with sex, sexuality, relationships, intimacy, those sorts of themes um, uh, from various different perspectives and to explore the human experience of romance and sex. Uh, just uh, While the first one is an analog game medium, the second one is a digital game medium. Mm. So strange lusts, strange loves.
0: I, I was going to say, uh, that one that involves um, the internet and whatnot, uh, I, I realize if that was the thing that could happen, we'd be up to our necks in, like, all kinds of things because teenage boys can't be trusted with the internet.
1: I mean, people forget that we as humans are obsessed with sex and sexuality. I wrote an essay on Eurogamer um about why in science fiction do we not think about sex more, in that we think about reimagining all these different parts of society... But very rarely do we think about, okay, how does this affect our intimate and emotional experience of romance and sexuality, right? Mm-hmm. Like movies and books tend to be like, oh, yeah, this, this sci-fi thing is going to affect the way we do this. And I'm like, you know that if this technology existed,
0: everyone would be using it to have sex, yeah. right? Um, um, there um, was, a, there was I, an author I, who I'm not going to name because he's come out as a terrible human being. Um, but he essentially said, the second that we invent the holodeck, human society is finished.
1: <laughs> <That's it. laughs> which is you We're know done. in a way like a a sad a sad sort of thing right because that that posits this that that sort of posits the idea of engaging in playful acts of sex as a negative right like there's so much stigma around watching pornography and yes I a lot of concerns about the ethics and and who is depicted and how are they treated and things the, right the industry itself is, such a is thing
0: one eff- I look at and I think uh oh, you guys aren't very nice or good Right,
1: this is a lot stuff. But for example, I recently uh, took part in the San Francisco Porn Film Festival, um, which champions like ethical pornography and like p- uh, porn stars who are like self empowered and things like that. Right, and so we we tend to view um, art forms that are erotic. In in this, like, denigrating way, if an art, like, if something is erotic and doesn't have, quote, high art attached to it, uh, end quote, uh, we think of it badly. Like, the fact that something is just there for titillation, people tend to think of it as lesser, which is weird because, like, we don't think of it that much, we don't view um, crappy action movies in the same way, right? Sometimes we just want thrills, yeah. Uh, but we don't think of it the same way. Those thrills in the same way as titillatory. <laughs> I made that word. I think titillatory thrills, uh, and I think that's bad. So so th- things like say things like the, the the when the technology comes like you know uh-huh. uh, oh we're only we're only gonna have sex and only gonna engage with that. That's you know I feel a bit sex negative. I mean I'm sure people are gonna use it for that, but why not right? I mean these things are a healthy way of expressing and exploring and learning about sex and sexuality and by healthy, I mean, if done healthily, if done well, if, you know, not taken to extremes. Um, but um, yeah, I think it's, it's positive. Yeah. There, there's the also
0: a, um, a series on um, Netflix. Uh, it's a Russian series and Josh is going to show off that. He speaks a little, I think it's called uh, Vichim uh Sorry. uh gym which means better than people. Mm-hmm. And in it, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, there, there are, you know, essentially robots you can get. And some of them are used for sex. And there's this scene where these two teenage boys have got to, like, hide out somewhere. And so one of them takes his friend to, like, his dad's, like, f- apartment or whatever, where he keeps a sex bot, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it is this tiny little moment, but it's so telling. Because this kid's friend, you know, smacks her on the bum and says words that I will not say because I don't like some words, because, yeah. um, And it was just one of those things that's like, that's not healthy. Like, it, it was an unhealthy portrayal and misunderstanding of, like, that, you know, intimacy and, and, what, and how wonderful sex between two or more, whatever, consenting people adults rather is and can be it it just seemed like it was just this tiny little moment but it just got in my head and said yeah technology is not necessarily the thing that's going to fix us we kind of need to fix ourselves and then make Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. use of technology in good ways
1: yeah and again i think speculative fiction rarely rarely considers the questions of how technology will affect us in the realm of sex right so i'm thinking of um what's the show the hbo cowboy robot cowboys cowboy show um westworld yeah. right in westworld people are constantly having sex with the robots but we don't actually dwell on that and how it affects people more than like oh we will rape robots a lot right um we don't explore nuances of what it means to be attached. Like, the movie Her, for example, um, explores what does it mean to be emotionally attached to something that wasn't human, but then doesn't tries to, like, kind of go into a realm of what does it mean to have sex and kind of shies away from that a bit.
0: The the series Um, does... I I haven't watched all of it yet, but it does kind of lean in that way of saying, like, there, there are even people in this show's universe that use these robots as, like, almost like it's practice for getting to know another person and part of me thinks it's and this is maybe the worst metaphor I can come up with and maybe my understanding is terrible um, but it's, it's kind of like learning to ride a bike you put the training wheels on like learning how to relate to another human being and be intimate with another human being you do you, you practice that in like a positive feedback zone so you can slowly learn to. Yeah, jump. and I, and I yeah. think
1: I think that's really legitimate because, like, we—I mean, other technologies can be used that way, right? Like, um, I have a, an acquaintance who told me that they they were from a very religious family that that thought of um, sex as a bad thing, it might right? Lead to their, dancing. their brand of religion. What well, was that?
0: It, uh, sex might lead to dancing. I do not oh, know that okay, expression. Okay, okay, sorry. Um, it's an expression usually used for like extremely religious, like Calvinists or Catholics or something. And it's like they're so religious, you know, they're against sex because it might lead to dancing. Whereas the usual expression is they're against dancing because it might lead to sex. So, it's, yeah. oh,
1: okay, well, yeah, exactly, right. Like, like I don't, I don't want to say that religion is inherently sex negative because we know from history that it is not, but their brand of religion was very sex negative, mm. right? And this friend's um. This friend's introduction to sexuality was through technology. It was through online erotica and online erotic forums, right? And that becomes a way, like you said, of practice of a sort, right? That becomes a way to explore what your feelings are about sex sexuality, how you communicate with people about sex and sexuality. Um, and so I think it's very legitimate to be able to use technology in this lake Practice sort of way without fear of of um, having actual people like judge you right and honestly role play for some people have been used in 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 those ways I know people who uh, played in LARPs uh, tried playing different genders and then eight months down the line they're going they they start going through hormone replacement therapy right and transitioning gender chemically right um, because these sorts of spaces. Uh, allow us to explore, allow us to try new things. Um, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, Jessica Hammer writes in uh, one of her essays that I've read of this, quote, psychosocial moratorium, end quote, that role-playing games offer us where real-world consequences are suspended, right? We know about, you know, the concept of the magic circle is famous in game design. Uh, we Games offer us a, a space sometimes to try things that we would not in our lives because of social pressures, and sometimes we come out of the game being like, huh, maybe I would like to continue this regardless of the social pressure. Um, even if it's not to do with sex, even if it's like, I want to be a more confident person and speak up more because I managed to do that in this game. Why can I not do that in real life? Right. Even in more, uh, let's say, innocuous um, ways. Yeah. So,
0: No, I, I get what you mean. Um yeah, I mean that's that that is definitely something I've noticed. Like from my involvement in in tabletop role play gaming for the last few years, um, it, it's done a lot for me as far as like learning how to like socially connect with people. Um, and, and you know, I'm 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 you know less than a year away from being forty now, and so for 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 me, it's like you know learning how to make a good friend was really really difficult because at, at that age, it is really difficult. Because you can't just go up to someone and say, would you be my friend? Um,
1: Which is a shame, right? It's a shame that society doesn't allow for that at that age.
0: I think that's why it's so good we actually have, like... I mean, all of the games of D&D I play uh, are all played online. Um, I've, I haven't played a game of in-person D&D for a very Oh, Actually, sorry, I tell a lie. I've done it once in the last few years. Um, and that is because the two other people were my son and my and my nephew who is living with us as a student exchange person at the, at the time um but aside from that yeah all my games are online and, and because it's it's easier for me to you know push call on skype <laughs> case in point um rather than go and spend like you know 40 minutes getting somewhere and and i mean uh you
1: getting here would take three days but So I completely forgive you for using Skype to speak to me. Um, But I do think, yeah, that that games are... So you're talking about, like, making friends is hard when you're older, which is true, uh, especially because, you know, adulting is terrible. I hate being an adult um, in some senses. Um, But also, um, games do, like... loop back to what we we're talking about initially games do offer this space of intimacy they do offer this way of engaging with people at different levels and do strengthen um friendships in certain ways that's why again board game nights are taking off again and and role playing games are taking off again people enjoy this people find that it's a great way to hang out to spend time uh, to learn about your friends and your your family and things like that
0: yeah no i think it's yeah, I mean it's 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 it is really really good stuff, and um, I, I think being able to bring sex in is I, I think there's definitely a scope for it, and 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 I do thank you very very much for educating me because th- this was kind of thrown together at the last minute, um, in some ways. Like you and I got introduced by a mutual. Um, acquaintance friend person. yeah um i'm not sure if they want their name yeah well yeah we know who it is um but yeah i mean for me it was like a weird twist of fate that someone said to me hey would you be willing to play a game like this and i thought Mm -hmm. no um i still don't know if i'd be willing to do that with a stranger um but Mm -hmm. i think I'd, i'd i think i'd have a better understanding of everything now Yeah. And I think the
1: takeaway that I would love our listeners to get is that it is absolutely okay to not want to do that. If someone comes up to you and says, I would like to role play hot and heavy explicit sex scenes with you, it's absolutely okay to be like, "Mm, that's not something I would like to do. Um, But it's not okay to be like, no one should do this. Right? Uh, I think... I think it's absolutely fine and good to know your limits and be like, uh, i rather not do this. Or even be like, hmm, I might do this, but with someone I know. Or hmm, I might do this, but with certain constraints. Mm. Um, but it is good to know that other people might be down for it, might be willing to do it, might get a lot out of it that's healthy for them, that's valuable for them. And, and just because it's not one person's cup of tea doesn't mean it's not another person's bread and butter. All
0: clotted cream. <laughs> that was okay that was all right okay cool <laughs> well done <laughs> yeah um now, now um Xia Rang, there there's always a question we ask uh well always is a generous term i think i've missed it once or twice um as kind of our last question and it is um right now how is your self-care going like what are you doing to make sure you are okay
1: Um, I am cooking I mean I always cook a lot but I'm obviously cooking even more now Um, I'm trying out new recipes all the time my sister's been here so while she's visiting I'm not trying new recipes she is cooking a lot of Indian food that I haven't made in a while and can't make as Mm -hmm. well um i am spending a lot of time talking on the phone with friends i am lucky to have friends in different time zones so sometimes it can be very late and then you talk to someone and luckily i call some west coast friends it's very nice to be able to do that uh i have been playing role playing games a lot online i prefer unlike uh, unlike you i do prefer playing role playing games in person with people um but obviously we can't do that so i've been doing that online a lot and i've also been uh, i'm a I, I have waves of playing video games, and like sometimes I play them intensely, and then I take a big break from them, and then play them intensely again. Um, and then finally, I've been making, uh, and I I recommend everyone does this. Um, very often, your local library will have a sizable digital collection of ebooks, especially now. A lot of libraries are investing in ebooks. So I am fortunate to have one of the most expansive library systems in the world, like the New York Public Library is enormous. Hmm. Um and so I have been unashamedly reading a lot of young adult queer themed fiction uh, because I need to read uplifting stuff right now during COVID and during all the political turmoil. So I've been reading a lot of like gay, like happy gay novels, right? Uh, not not as much the angsty ones. There can be some angst, sure, but like there wasn't end well. I've been shamelessly indulging in that a lot to lift my spirits. I'm so. glad you're I'll indulging care.
0: shamelessly, as you should, sir. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, no, I've, I've been doing a lot of reading as well recently because I discovered I have an Amazon Prime account that I totally forgot I had. <laughs> <laughs> you've been paying all this time and you've oh, forgotten for like six months. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not very glad. <laughs> I'm really not um but i i was reading this book um it's called Gert. it's like a, it's a very funny look at australian history um and i me- and i i mentioned this because it's also kind of like intrinsically tied to what we're saying uh but but the author um was talking about like some british expedition that took them to a country where like people were greeted by like you know, like the sorry, the the, the greeting of new people involved for masturbation, and he has a footnote saying, "I guess they came in peace." Um, <laughs> I was so annoyed when I read that because I was on a bus and I burst out laughing and it was so annoyed. <laughs> Damn you, David Hunt. Um, but but anyway, uh, we've we've been I think silly long enough, and it, it's it's hit like almost 10 past 1am here in Australia time. So my brain's starting to go in a weird direction, my friend. Um, <laughs> now, now Charong, people should definitely go check out that Kickstarter that you mentioned. Um, What was it called again?
1: Uh so the Kickstarter is called Strange Lusts, Strange Loves, and it's gonna be on until I'm taking a check just to make sure I don't get this wrong. It's going to be on until the end of this month, and the precise date is the 26th of November at 12:01 PM EST. Um, so do check it out and do check out the the spiritual uh, predecessor of it, which is and Hot Wax. Uh, And that you can get through Pelgrine Press. You can get that on DriveThruRPG. Yes.
0: Cool. And can people find you on any social media?
1: Yeah. So I'm actually um, very active on Twitter. Uh, My Twitter handle is my full name, at Sharung Biswas. That should link to my website, uh, from which you can get to my itch.io page, where I have a number of uh, award-winning. And um, my itch, just for people, is astrolingus, think star-tongued. Um, uh, but yeah, my Twitter is my main, um, way of communicating with people who are not my close friends and sometimes even them. So Sharung Biswas on Twitter.
0: Can I ask two things? A, how do you spell Char? Yes, that's S for for sugar,
1: H-A-R-A-N for north, G, and Biswas is B for boy, I-S for sugar, W-A-S for sugar.
0: Okay. And, and these games on itch, uh, are any of them explicit um, in nature? One of them
1: is called Several Miles from Heaven. It is about teenage demigods um, taking their clothes off in front of each other, playing Seven Minutes in Heaven. Um, and that is a game where you physically take your clothes off in front of another player. Though you don't have to get naked. The game never tells you to get naked. It just tells you to take clothes off so you can be wearing as many layers as you like. Um, and some of them are like, are like have romance themes Um, But if you really want games about sex and sexuality, you should check out Honey and Hot Wax. I have one game in there, and we have um, uh, seven other games by brilliant designers exploring various different um, aspects of sex in very, very different ways.
0: I I will confess, I kind of hoped you'd say yes, because then I could say, so it's scratching that itch. Ah, I see what Uh, you did there. um, It's no good, is it? Um... Sharon, I I am gonna leave it there. I wish I could keep you on here for so much longer for a lot of reasons. A, I suspect this is this is gonna to have to be like one of a part of 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 stuff to talk about because I think it's extremely important and I think it's it's good and healthy for us to talk about sex and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I I, I also as I said to you, um, you you essentially have the voice of an, of the Indian version of Stephen Fry <laughs> and that's a beautiful thing. I love that so um Xiaorong, thank you so very very much And for thank your time. you for having thank me you for everything it's been a pleasure uh everyone please go check out my twitter handle it's uh nerdy people d n d uh there is no ampersand on twitter um please check out the actual play uh that we're doing at the moment we are playing james intracasto's burnbright uh but usually we play a uh d and d fifth ed josh re- josh has rewritten uh curse of strad so it's not terrible um and it's about capitalism and just why that's not good and Strahd is a railway baron because that was a cool idea um cool sharon thank what? you again